Welcome to the Starting Nowhere podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. Do me a favor and make sure you hit the like and subscribe button so you can see more Starting Nowhere. Today, my guest is Corey Castle. Corey is a former pro wrestler who got his start in the suburbs of Philadelphia. We're going to talk about how he got into wrestling, how to go for your dreams, and my personal hatred for the movie Pretty Woman. Please enjoy today's episode. Thanks for joining me today, Mr. Corey. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little about yourself and who you are. Hi, everybody. I'm Corey Castle. I'm a ghost. I'm a ghost. I'm a guest today. I'm a ghost today. On this now we're podcast. a horror show podcast. Now it's a like horror it. show podcast. Yeah. Uh, this is a paranormal podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I'm the ghost guest for this ho- host man, <laughs> Brandon. I'm, I'm Corey Castle. Um, you can... Uh, you may or may not know me, most likely not, from uh, from pro wrestling, um, or possibly stand up comedy, or possibly the film Bruce, or any acting work that I've pop- that I've done. You probably don't know it, um, <laughs> but I I'm happy today that I have some of your attention, so that I can say, hey, I'm somebody worth paying attention to. Pay attention to me. See, we can get existential right off the bat here and say that's yeah. probably 90% of the human experience, right? Is that yeah. uh, I'm somebody worth paying attention to, pay attention to me, is exactly yeah. how almost all of us feel for the majority of our life. And that we spend the rest of our life trying to um, prove that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, well, that very f- fragile ego comes from a place of damage. Uh, I, have, I have made peace with that damage, but the hole is still there. That look at me hole, that attention seeking hole, that need to be validated, it will always exist, and it has existed since I was a kid. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true for a lot of us, though. You know, no matter where, whether it's a a trauma or or some kind of positive memory or something like that, I think a lot of what we do and what we try to do comes from something that happened to us in our childhood or something we didn't want to have happen to us in our adulthood based upon what happened in our childhood. So I don't think that that's a particularly unique experience, which which is weird. So I'm going to say something that a lot of people get mad about when I say, but it's it's true for me. It's true for, I think, everybody, whether people like to hear it or not. Uh, we're, all, we're all not that unique. Even though our specific situations are unique, you could see the patterns across all of these other people, you know what I mean, uh, when you go and look at their life. So somebody like yourself, like you said, you have um, some of the things that made you who you are and the, the look at me whole, as you called it, which, by the way, sounds like a terrible adult film. <laughs> um, I, I think that that's true for a lot of people. You know, one of the reasons that I'm here now doing podcasts, trying to put my thoughts out into the world is probably for the same similar reasons, you know what I mean? Like right. something happened. Uh, that I was in childhood and you know not and now that I'm bored and was in quarantine and I'm like you know what people need to hear my thoughts that's what we need to do is have Brandon out here with a microphone uh, and screaming into the wilderness to see what happens <laughs> that's great that you said screaming into the wilderness I use the phrase all the time like because uh, some sometimes my episodes of my podcast uh, evolving with Corey Castle sometimes they uh, aren't very viewed on YouTube like my YouTube videos don't get a lot of views I mean, like 20 or so yeah. <laughs> and like some, and then I'll be like, oh, here I am chopping a tree down in the woods. No one's around here at fall. Like, <laughs> but screaming into the wilderness, a very uh, comparable statement. Yeah. I mean, I think, but I think that's part of becoming anything, right? 
at some point in everyone's career, no matter what that career is, uh, whether it's social media, whether it's boxing, whether it's wrestling or any of that type of stuff, we're all doing it to no audience. You're all out there just grinding away at something that you don't know if you're ever going to make it doing. And you don't know if anybody's actually going to care that you're doing. And I think that's the beauty in uh, the work itself. It's just doing the work and hoping that the results come out in a way that make people want to pay attention. Because I think that's the truest form of voting you can get, right? Is that if somebody's spending their day listening to you say some nonsense, then like they really either are entertained by you or believe in what you're doing or something like that. And it's just... It's very authentic as long as you're not buying your views which some people do do and believe me i don't give a shit enough about this to buy views so i'm not doing that but uh <laughs> i just think that it's very it's very organic in that way because if you go to a job or something like that you're like your normal nine to five which most of us out here have uh they pay attention to you because they're paying you and they expect you to do a role and that's basically it. that's the, the limit of the interaction right uh, right. But for something like this, or for, again, wrestling or any form of entertainment, that's people taking that money they earn doing that thing that they probably barely care about, and then giving it to you because mm -hmm. they go, hey, I like this. I like what I'm seeing. I want to see more of this. So the way to do that is to give this guy a little, my $5 of change. You know what I mean? Well, the, the, the reason they call it hard-earned money is because the people who earn that money doing it uh, by doing something they probably didn't want to be doing anyway. So that's why it's called hard earned. I mean, of course, you work some sometimes you work really hard for it, but sometimes you're sometimes it's hard earned because you got paid to do something you don't really even like doing that much. That's how I became an assassin, you know. If it happens yeah. that way. <laughs> so, yes, that's, so, that's that's hard earned. So speaking of hard earned though, pro wrestling, like that's a seriously hard way to earn uh, a living and money because I know a million different things, excuse me, a, a million different ways that those people end up like just injured. And everybody talks about The Rock, you know, they talk about Dave Batista, they talk about the big ones who kind of broke over into non-wrestling uh, entertainment avenues. But that's not the reality for the majority of people. A lot of people grind along like the regional circuits and that type of stuff and barely ever make it to the next level where they're actually making some real pocket change. Tell me, tell me what got you into wrestling? Like, how'd you get started? Oh, uh, my, my, my comment that I'll make before I tell yeah, this story. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what gets people through uh, wrestling knowing that they, they, won't, they probably won't make it. Most of them are delusional and think that they probably are going to like just go knock, 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 knock. Hey, we're looking for you. Come work for us. Yeah. I think that some people in the back of their heads really think that that's what's going to go on. Like they're going to meet somebody who's going to want them or something. They're going to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And like and that it's just magically going to happen they, the way they want like their career to go. Absolutely. So wait, before you answer the question, let's push that off for a second. Cause you just said something that takes me down a different train of thought that I, I love <laughs> yeah, to talk yeah. about get, and get there going back to again, the stuff that we do in our childhood, that's because we've seen how many shows, movies, books, and everything that that's exactly what happens. Yeah, that's the entire book. plot of Harry Potter. Harry Potter is based upon a kid who's just in a shitty lifestyle. And then all of a sudden somebody comes along to him and they're like, hey, by the way, you're a secret magic wizard who's like going to rule the world and everything like that. Just come along. And so we all end up doing that at some point in our life. Not like hopefully for the majority of your life, but you end up doing that where you're just sitting there waiting for somebody to come and tell you that you're you're supposed to be famous. You're a king or a queen of some country you've yeah, never heard of or something like that. We're, every one of our stories that we've been told is of some some damsel in distress whether man or woman whether whatever the gender doesn't matter yeah. it's like you're somebody who's inside of a struggle and then somebody who's outside of a struggle puts a hand out and says 
come come live your dreams yeah. and that's that's kind of where a lot of, i think maybe the idea of a lot of people thinking like a lot of people thinking like that their dreams are just going to find them and they're not going to even look for them mm-hmm. like they're not even going to work hard for them they're not going to hustle as hard because they don't realize their dreams aren't looking for them the way they're looking for their dreams exactly and i think I never missed a chance to shit on this movie because I hate it. I hate it. I hate its place in uh, a lot of people's hearts and minds. But that's exactly, I feel like, what Pretty Woman teaches people. She was Mm -hmm. a prostitute who a rich guy loved her prostituting so much that he decided to change her entire life. That's not happening for you people. Good good verb. (laughs) Yeah, prostituting. Prostituting, You like that? He loved her prostituting. Yeah, he loved her prostituting so much. That he came and decided that I'm going to take all this money that I built over these years to to change this person's life. And we build these fantastical stories around that kind of nonsense that just does not make any sense. And so it lives within us that we're all going to be Harry Potter or something like that. And I don't remember what show it was. I want to say The League, but that doesn't feel right. But there's a show where the guy... Uh, the, one of the guys in the show is talking about how the true story of Karate Kid is about the the guy who uh, from Cobra Kai. I forget his name right now and everything. Johnny, which now, of course, made that show because he's the one who actually Johnny did Lawrence. all this hard. What's that? Johnny Lawrence. Is that his name in the show or the the actor's name? No, no, that's the character's name. Johnny okay, Lawrence. good, good, good. Uh, thank you because I just wanted to make sure. Johnny. So yeah, so him, so how he's the real hero of the show because he's the kid who actually put in all the hard work and had to go through everything he went through to get there just to get beat by a kid who cheated and didn't really work that hard, just had like a a natural ability for this one move or whatever and stuff. And I'm like, that's kind of true in a lot of ways in life because that's that can happen to you in life as well. Like you're working super hard at your nine to five and you're getting ahead and you're like, I got to get this promotion. And then they promote the kid's nephew or something like that. You know what I mean? Like somebody who didn't do any of the work to get it. You know. it, it's weird because it's easy to just blame something on being in the not being in the right place at the right time and being like discrediting somebody for getting what they got because yeah. you didn't get what you got. So you go, oh, well, he's uh, nepotism. He's somebody's mm-hmm. nephew. He's somebody he's somebody's friend's nephew. Like it's it's like it instead of instead of only doing that, you mm-hmm. could do that, too. But also, no, like you've got to do more work then you've got to work hard to get what it is that you want because you don't have those ins. So for sure, uh, if, you, if you're complaining about that, make sure when you have kids, don't push your dream on them. Don't expect them to do your thing because like you bitched about their nepotism. Now you don't go and like, Oh, people will, People will, will jump all over your wrestling career. They're going to be like, oh, you're Johnny Walmart kick pads. Need- <laughs> yeah. You're Johnny Walmart kick pads, son. So they got to push you. See, but that's, that's the only logical reason I see to have children is to push all your failures and things that you didn't do onto them. If you're not doing that, why are you even having kids? Like, it doesn't make sense. You want them to do what you weren't able to do so you don't feel like a piece of crap. That's the only reason I think yeah, to have man, kids. This is where your legacy comes from. That's where... <laughs> <laughs> your legacy comes from your kids accomplishing what you couldn't exactly i don't care that's, if you want to do it i need you to fulfill why, my prophecy that's why that's my son is such a, <laughs> is such a line in movies because that father wanted to be whatever the son was and gave it up to have him so now his son's got a I think that's another whole part of just finding finding the lack of accountability in yourself to be like, ah, I gave every I gave up my dreams for this kid. It's like, no, you uh, didn't. I don't, 
you know, I think you could have still accomplished your dreams if you would have stuck with them. You just wanted to make having this child your cop out for being a lazy twat. You just can yeah. also do. There's tons of very successful people who are also parents. Like that, maybe I. I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to paint a very broad, a broad brush. I but. I, I, and it could I be. I'll paint. I'll paint that picture all damn day. Paint. I'll do it. <laughs> but I, I realize there are circumstances that sometimes are out of people's control. But like, as as the City High song says, "Baby, I know if my mother could do it, maybe you could do it." Well, it's, it's to your point. Like, and she's been coming up a lot in the news this week, and that's why it's fresh on my mind. Uh, Serena Williams won a Grand oh, Slam while she was it. pregnant. You're going to say the the lady from City High has been. Oh no, 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 I don't <laughs> even know what City High is to be honest. So. Oh, it's a, it was a, a, a '90s R&B rap R&B group. Oh yeah, that's that's too obscure for me. I I feel like I I don't. If you talk about Color Me Bad or you know Escape or something like that, I, I'm with you. But <laughs> City High did not reach my uh my. I bet I bet you you know the song. I'll, I'll look it up after this for sure, and you're probably no, I'm, right. I'm because... gonna I'm gonna sing it to you right now. <laughs> I don't think that'll help. I feel like no matter how well you sing it, it's not gonna help. <laughs> but, all right, so sorry we went off on that tangent. That was a fun tangent, uh, and I w- I'll probably come back to it because now I'm all I'm all hopped up on uh, my hatred for Pretty Woman. Um, so so again, going back to it, how did you get into wrestling? Like, what what made you want to start, and like, what were your first steps to actually try to achieve? Oh, that? you were you were talking about someone in the news. Let's oh, get shit. back to talking yeah, sorry, about that sorry. before we get in. Yeah, yeah, thank you for keeping me on track. Are you sure this isn't your podcast now? Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I've been po- hosting podcasts yeah. for four years. So. so Serena Williams won a, a Grand Slam while she was pregnant. So to that end, and she's won like other uh, championships, things like that since she's had children too. Uh, so the point is she's able to do it when she's pregnant and she's able to do it when she's a mother, but also she's an exceptional human being. So I don't want to make it like everybody can do that. But what it is for a lot of people is that they do find ways to get out of whatever they were wanting to do because they didn't want to do the work to get the dream. Cause like I always said, uh, excuse me, like I always say recently, do you want Jeff Bezos money or do you want Jeff Bezos life? Because you can't have his money without having his life. And not everybody wants that life. Not everybody wants to risk all their financial wealth to try to start that company uh, back in the nineties or whatever, when the internet was just a fad, nobody believed in it and everything you're out there trying to sell books. And he made that first desk out of like a door and everything. Nobody's doing that. You know what I mean? Nobody's wanting to do what Mark Zuckerberg was doing. None of these people want to do the work to be what they are. They just want the outcome. And I think that's the problem with a lot of people. We only focus on the outcome instead of realizing it takes work to do whatever you're going to do. If you're not in it for the work as well, you're not in it. And you're going to take that first exit where it's like, oh, it's a kid. Oh, it's the the other job I have. It's whatever it is. And you're going to get off on that exit ramp and just take the hell off. Well, It's totally easy to compare yourself to somebody else who's really successful and never... And, and you'll have never understood what their origin was. Mm-hmm. You'll never understand like what their struggle was. Like you really, you could see somebody who's got, who's got lots and lots of money now and, and living the life they want to live, but it took a really long, dirty, yucky road to get there. Absolutely. And that's uh, like you were saying before, man, not everything is in your control, but everything mm-hmm. still has to be your fault. So uh, let's talk about this. Let's just go gender-based, race-based, whatever. There's a lot of prejudice in the world, right? So somebody may hold you back based upon some prejudice. That can be true, but you still have to overcome that if you want to do something. And what you can usually look at is that 
there was probably a person who had the same prejudices against them that was able to do it. So that shows you it is possible. You just have to find the right way to do it. So I think we, we let those limiting factors too much get in our head sometimes and shut down whatever we're trying to do. Well, um, some, something, uh, something I say a lot, and please, you can, you can take this and you can apply it and you can use it. I, I, I say so you've given me license to claim that I said it right. That I came yeah, up with it. No, you, I mean, I'd appreciate the credit. I mean, no, but if you, if you don't get around to giving me the credit, I'm not going to be too heartbroken. No, I, I will. I'm, I'm just messing <laughs> but, with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I say, I say, if you go into like a, a bookstore, there's not a lot of them, but if you go into a bookstore, there's a billion dollar industry based around a section in the bookstore called self-help. Mm-hmm. And you'll never see a section called self fix because it doesn't exist. And I think that that's what people buying these books think that they're going to fix themselves, but there isn't self fix. You just got to continue to seek out the work that you've got to do. Absolutely. And I think the reason that there are so many of those different types of books, because there's so many different ways to do it. There's so many different voices that can help you get there. And it's a process that's never done. You should always be helping yourself. You know, like you said, you're never going to be done. You're never going to be fixed. This is a project that you can't ever finish. Even when you die, you're going to feel like you didn't get to do everything you wanted to do. That's how it works. That's how this whole messed up life we get to live uh, ends up playing out. You're always going to be working on something on yourself. You're always going to be wanting to fix something on yourself. You're always going to want more, 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 because that's how we live. And then until we eventually no longer do that. Right. So. And, and, you know, People, I think a thing I say a lot too, which I mean, you can also quote me on it, but I think enough, I don't think a lot of people are really um, used to, all, all they all they really live with is reacting to the world happening to them. So exactly. like, this happened to me, so I had to do this. I had to make this decision because this happened. And like, they wind up only living a life that's kind of an observer to the reactions that they've got to make versus being a deliberate creator in their existence and really, really taking the steps towards the things they want to do instead of, instead, I think a lot of people, a lot of people meet the, an, an obstacle and they don't, they don't, they don't get over the obstacle or get around the obstacle. They just go, ah, there's that obstacle. And then constantly look at that obstacle for the, the accountability for them not being something more than what they are and they'll go ah well uh this this could have oh i would i would have liked this more in my life on their deathbed oh man i would have liked to have this kind of life uh if it wasn't for james being a real dick and being in my way all the time or whatever you know what i'm saying like it's just an easy way to go like that's not my fault and 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 the the not not my fault way of thinking is immature as hell like you're not a mature person if you if you shift the blame from anything and in your brain justify it by going well that's not my fault that's their fault but like it's your strength to go all right let me get over that let me forgive that let me move past that let me uh be unconditionally loving to myself and say man i deserve what i want don't i yeah like why shouldn't i get everything i want and if what you want is to, if you want, if what you want is to be fixed, work on fixing yourself. It's not gonna, it's not gonna happen because there's no such thing as, a, there's no such thing as like a clear cut path to whatever the top of the mountain is. Absolutely. So I, 
how did well, we're going to do it this time? How did you get started in wrestling? What was that process like for you? I, I've told the story a billion times. So tell it different. Give me, um, give me an accent or something this time. I don't okay. Know. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you differently yeah, by yeah. Giving, giving you this origin. Uh, my, my look at me whole, my damage had wrestling be the escape for me on that. As a fan, as a fan of wrestling, I was happily distracted from a life that I was not really fulfilled with. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, you know, having, having a broken home, uh, being, being poor on welfare, food stamps. Um, wrestling was an escape from that. And having that be a social circle with my friends. Uh, when, when, I, when we were 14, me and, me and my best friend at the time, who's still very close friends with me, I just, I work, I work for his dad, nepotism. <laughs> so, uh, so Scott found uh, an article in the Bucks County Courier Times, right? So we're from, we're from Bucks County, PA like uh, the Philadelphia suburbs. Mm-hmm. And, and in the article, it had kids our age inside of a wrestling ring at a wrestling gym here in Bucks County. And we were like, we, we better go there. So it was like, this, it was like the summer before ninth grade, I think. And we went there and we met these wrestlers who were like, they weren't, they didn't look like wrestlers. They were like, they were like, out of shape dudes who were um, who were like rejects from the Monster Factory, which is like the mm-hmm. most famous school in pro wrestling. So these guys couldn't, you know, couldn't stay at the Monster Factory. So they decided they were going to build their own ring and start their own gym. But they were not. They were not teaching us wrestling. They were just going. There's a ring. Go do what you think you saw on TV, and didn't show us the technique or anything. So we went there. We went there um, and man, wrestling's so white trash, right? <laughs> just just uh, that thought has to keep going back into my mind, like what white trash pro wrestling is. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the place got shut down due to, and this feels white trash as hell for me to say, the, the place got shut down due to the guy being, um, it was there was a he he was drunk and high at the place where. He was, and he wasn't licensed to be running that in that town and also bringing drugs around kids. Mm-hmm. Nah, it's not, not a real good look. So the place got shut down. A couple of my friends who were going there continued their training at a different school that was like a real school. Uh, have you heard of CZW? That sounds uh, vaguely familiar. Combat Zone Wrestling. Uh, oh, so you said CZW? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's it's like a pretty major indie. A lot of the like dudes that are in WWE now came through CZW. Hmm. Uh, so I went there when I was 16. Um, so I had to I had to like sell my bike and get a job so that I could afford the tuition for residence school. So I I went <clears throat> I went there and uh, I I kept dude I suck for so long i suck for real real long like i like i said i went i started going there when i was like 16 but there wasn't nobody there was nobody else there that was like around my size and there wasn't anybody else. everybody was way bigger than me and 
Like I struggled to be able to do anything. Like I couldn't pick anybody up. I couldn't learn how to slam anybody. I would, I was like a bump dummy for a long time. So I was just getting thrown around and beat up every, every day, like four days a week. And until like some people, my, my size started coming and then I started learning better. And, uh, I, I started wrestling using the name Corey Castle in September of 2002. So, uh, I was, I was 18. I had just graduated high school, like months before that. And then I started wrestling as Corey Castle. And then one month later, lost my virginity. Related? So my, 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 big, my big accomplishment was, like, I was saving myself for my dream. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't saving myself for marriage. Like, I was holding on to it or something. But it was like, oh, what's more important right now? What's more important right now is, like, don't mess me up. Mm-hmm. This will mess me up, and I don't want that to happen. In my head, I, I think I might have said it a couple times out loud. It was like, I just don't want to focus on girlfriends or relationships or anything like that until, like, I'm, I'm closer to who I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously that didn't pan out, which is what happens, I think. Well, I shouldn't say it that way because I don't think a lot of people have that same focus that you did. But I think that's how it happens for a lot of different people. You realize that you can maybe balance a little bit better than you think, or you realize that you don't necessarily have to have a relationship to uh, to have a sexual relation. You know, right? Well, I think either way, it would have sidetracked me. I'm 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 very ADD. I'm very distracted. <laughs> like I was a I was a very it was a very sped kid, <laughs> aka special ed. I was, I was a sped kid and like had to take like Ritalin and man, I sound more and more like I had a white trash upbringing the more and more I speak. Hey, you're, you're talking to the right person, man. I don't think a lot of people know this. I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before, but uh, I lived in a trailer for my first, I don't know. I don't know when we, that trailer burned down uh, when I was maybe five or something like that. So the first few years of my life, anyways, we lived in a trailer and eventually it, it caught on fire and uh, burned. And then we eventually, after, excuse me, after that, we moved into a house, but no, yeah. So I didn't even know that that was a thing. And it's hilarious because I hear people talk about white trash and as I'm sure you could tell by looking at me, not so much something that applies to me directly now. But, my- but for, for you to go, how, what year did our trailer burn down? Yeah, is I know. I know. A white trash sentence. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> the whole thing is, Again, looking back on it, you're like, oh, that's a weird experience because other people, but that was my experience. That, and but, that's the way I've dealt with a lot of my life is like, there are a lot of things that happen to me when I tell people, I see on the, by the look on their face that what? And I'm like, for me, it's just what I went through. So like, I'm surprised by their surprise. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the trailer was that thing uh, for a lot of people. And especially when I say it now, they're like, well, you grew up in a trailer? I'm like, yeah, until I was like, I don't know, three, five, something like that. And then they were like, why'd you leave? They burned out. It caught on fire because the stove, I think, got left on or something like that. And we came back and it was the whole like movie scene where the the fire uh, fireman's outside of it. And like everything's like, my mom starts crying and everything like that. Uh, And so there's like almost no pictures of me as a baby, you know, because this is in the 80s where, you know, we had still print the pictures out and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So nothing digital is and there's very few of them uh, of me of really young because they all burnt up. So Mm -hmm. uh, but it. It's whatever. I was a cute baby, so the ones that do exist are, are like uh, records. <laughs> you know? Oh man, you'll have to project that onto your kids when you have them. Do ah. you have kids? 
No, I, I do not. Uh, I do not have kids, and I you just take lots of pictures of them and be like, "Don't let these burn up in a fire, y'all." And then they're gonna have like issues about fire. Like, <laughs> Why are we so scared of fire? Well, it's because our dad, when we were little, <laughs> said something about letting pictures of us burn up. We don't understand it either. <laughs> well, and no, I think I'm. I'm. I tend to be the opposite way. You know, anything that I've been through, I'm like, "Oh, then you'll be fine." Cause I made it through it. You'll be okay. And everything. I'm like, I'm not saying you should have it happen to you, but at the same time, I'm not going to treat you like you're uh, a delicate little, you know, uh, porcelain doll or something like that, that I can drop and break. You'll be fine. You know, kids go through really bad stuff all the time. There's kids in Aleppo, there's kids in Syria and stuff like that. You'll be fine. I don't care about uh, your friend at school saying you're a poopy head. You can, you'll be okay. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think my, my, I'm, I'm also not a parent. Um, yeah. So let's Don't go. Let's out. do that now. That's what I'd love to do, right? If neither of us have kids, but let's spend the rest of the hour talking about uh, how you should raise your kids. Because I love to give parents <laughs> advice when I don't have kids, because I don't have to see if it works or not. I'm like, I don't know. This sounds right. <laughs> I, I, I have, I have, um, I have a little sister who's 11 years younger than me. Mm. So I look at a lot of the experiences that I have with raising her, like. She's a great person now. She's such a good person. She's like getting a real estate license. She's worked the same job for 10 years. She's still in college. She's a great, great person. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, on top of that, her accomplishments aren't what make her a great person. She's, a gr she's like a great friend to people. She's really funny. She's very, very smart. And she has lessons to teach people. And she's going to make a good mom. She's going to make a really good mom one day. Mm -hmm. She, she has a great relationship with, with Armand. And I, 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 I don't envy that at all. I think it's great. I love it. I love that. I love that Jess has that with Armand. Like that's, that's so awesome. And because she's, she was such a great, she's such a great mom to me. And like, she's probably just putting that right on to Jess now. But that being said, I felt like I got all the fatherly experience kind of out of the way. Mm -hmm. So, but I also didn't do it alone. Like it wasn't like I was her, her only male role model, but for sure. I mean, it was uh, me, my, my mom, my older sister and my older gay brother. So it was like, I was the only like, like man. I don't want to say man, but I was like the only, like only like, one doing man shit. Yeah, like, like you know, stereotypical heterosexual man stuff. Like I, I get yeah, what you're saying I, as far as like that character model goes. Yeah, I dude, I'm very I, I'm very big on like the resources that inspire you. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I could be like that 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 role model for you, or if I could and I and I say this to anybody who's ever been on my podcast or anyone who's ever listened to my podcast, Evolving with Corey Castle, available YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. But I say to anybody who's ever listening to me, I'm like, you know, I, 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 I'd love to be a resource for you in any way. So if there's ever anything I could do, if there's any ever the conversation I can have with you, judgment free talk, you need a friend, you need something. I'm happy to be the resource that might connect you to a different frequency of yourself. I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do that for, uh, I always say like how it's, I'm not a hard person to get a hold of. I put all my information out there. So please, like anybody who's ever spent any amount, I t talk constantly about how much effort is more of a precious currency. Mm -hmm. Time and effort 
are such a more precious currency than the number the number zeros in the in the back of your bank account cuz they don't they don't they don't print your pre- your credit score or your account balances on your on your <laughs> gravestone it's only the years and it's like this little line between the years is is really like all this room there's all this room in, inside of that for anything you want and love man and love tons of love yeah, I'm gonna now just to make you mad. Uh, I'm gonna print my credit score right on my my gravestone. Yeah, <laughs> put it right there, and then like, next one just in dash F Corey Castle. <laughs> that's, that's all it's gonna say. Well, the thing is, <laughs> your credit. <laughs> you put your credit score on your on your headstone. Uh, you have to have it be able, like because once you're dead, doesn't your credit score like plummet back down or it just goes away? I mean, that's. I hope I hope that I can give it to some uh, some promising Nigerian hacker that has really started some, to find some, his way. Somebody who's somebody who's prostituting you enjoy. Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm doing. I'm give it to the, my favorite uh, prostitute from way back when I was a rich businessman cruising the streets. Yeah, oh, God, I hate that movie. <laughs> a very movie wealthy so and very busy businessman. Yeah, Richard Gere. Yeah. God. Anyways, before you're gonna get you're gonna get me spinning off on that movie and just spend the rest of this going on my soapbox about how it teaches women terrible things and it's a piece of trash. I've never seen it. I don't. You're lucky. I don't I, think my, I've ever like thought to see it. Like I, it's not that I went. Oh, I don't want to see that. It was just I never saw it and I never thought to watch it. It has no redeemable value unless you're charmed by Julia uh, 1980s Julia Roberts and uh, Richard Gere. That that well, is it. The storyline itself is just riddled with both what it would be like to be a prostitute, uh, inaccuracies of what it'd be like to be a prostitute, and also just how there is no one coming to save you. Richard Gere is not popping up in anyone's life to save you. You got to do it yourself. And I hate the message of that movie. I hate it. I hate it so much. Well, this this song. Like I, when I hear of the movie, I just think of the song and the song automatically makes me think of Dumb and Dumber, which makes me happy. I like Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> so that's, that's a fun so train to go on. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. So, so, all right. So you started in like different schools and everything around your, uh, your neighborhood in Pennsylvania to get started in wrestling. How did you make that, that jump to pro wrestling? Like how, what did that look like for you? What was the grind like to get to pro wrestling or was it really quite simple for you actually? Well, I think that was all I ever, uh, let me correct myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was one of the main things I wanted to do with my life was be a wrestler. So I didn't see it. I didn't see an alternative to being, to being that. So if I, if I wasn't that, I didn't know what I'd be like. That was my religion. That was my identity. That was all of it was, I'm going to be this now. It's absolutely going to be what I am. And at this point, it's been, I've been a wrestler longer in my life than I've not been a wrestler. So I, it, it just felt like this is, this is where I belong. And even though I sucked, even though I sucked for so long, and I will not sit here and pretend like I had a glorious, I had a glorious 20-year wrestling career because I didn't. I didn't, I never made a name for myself. I never got a living from wrestling, but it, I was, I was an indie guy who made memorable nights for 
30 to 100 people for uh, three nights a week sometimes at the busiest and sometimes sometimes once every two weeks. So what was your signature move? Because I want to, first, let me ask a question before we get into that. Is, can I find videos of you online, you think? Yeah, yeah, on, on my YouTube channel. Oh, well, you, so you've got videos YouTube of your wrestling? There are some on there. Okay. There, I have, um, my YouTube channel, I, I use, it's uh, youtube.com slash Corey Castle, C-O-R-Y-K-A-S-T-L-E, one word. And I have videos on there, like old, old, old videos that are mine that I put on there a long time ago. And uh, I, but mostly I just put my, my full episodes of my podcast on there, like uh, the, the full video episodes of my podcast on there. The, the, uh, the, I, the playlists in that, the playlists in the channel there, I've like found other matches of mine all over YouTube and I added them to a playlist that just says Corey Castle on it. But okay. mostly you could <laughs> subscribe to my, my channel to follow the newer episodes of my podcast coming out. So, so what was your signature move when you were wrestling? And like, describe it. Tell me the name and then describe it to me if you had one. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so the the move, I I, I called it called it the incident. <laughs> well, where I'll uh, you you remember you know the rock bottom? Did you ever watch the rock wrestle? Yeah, yeah. You know the rock bottom where he he'd like throw an arm over his head and he'd just fall down. Yep. Instead of like, like carrying you down like the rock, I pick you up and I put you on my. I do a backbreaker over my knee on the way down. Nice, just to add a little bit of extra pain. I like it. Yeah. So that was that was the that's called the incident. Yeah, and that that's also on YouTube and TikTok and wherever you wherever you find videos. What would you say? And I would get away from the wrestling questions here soon. But what what do you what would you say is one of the biggest things about wrestling that people don't really understand from the outside looking in, like behind the scenes that you would say uh, you see a lot of? I think a lot of it is people look at wrestling like it's a, and and this jumps me up onto a soapbox. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, can cast wrestling into. A, a very easy blow off, an easy thing to blow off to go, oh, you grow out of that. Or they go, you know, that's fake, right? It's like taking away the fact that like people are sacrificing their entire life to do this. Mm -hmm. Like I've missed, I've missed uh, weddings and funerals and parties, everything for most of my life for something that you can dismiss as fake. And it, by saying it's fake, then it's not worth anybody's time in your opinion. Like, what are you doing with your life? And it, I, it, that, that offends me as, as a wrestler. And as like all of us as wrestlers are offended by the ability to shame wrestling and shame wrestling fans for being idiots who don't know that it's a work. Of course, you know, it's a work. If you're a fan of it, you know that it's an art craft just like you know you know like bruce willis never met hans gruber right hans gruber was a character that was played how dare you how freaking dare you come and on here bruce willis with was this not blasphemy john... 
Right. <laughs> it wasn't Bruce Willis. It was John McClane. <laughs> yeah. They never actually met each other. Those weren't real people. Oh, you know, movies are fake, right? <laughs> like, well, and I think like just to, to, to piggyback off your point there, I was having a conversation earlier today uh, on Facebook with people about uh, what I've been calling cultural hierarchies, uh, which is sponsored by this conversation between two people on Twitter that was saying that uh, somebody who listens to trap music wouldn't understand Beethoven because we put these different musics and different things all across our, our culture into hierarchies and classical music is highbrow. It's very like fancy and everything like that. And trap music is lower. And then, like you said before, acting diehard, diehard, totally acceptable, understand it, everything like that. Wrestling, you grow out of that's for teenage boys. You know, it's fake, like all that type of stuff. And then but if you look at them by their elements, wrestling is stage acting. It's really more comparable to theater. It's comparable to Broadway and anything like that. So it's an enhanced form of that combat you would see in like a Broadway musical or, or any kind of stage acting right. and stuff like that. Parading as if it's a sporting event. Well, but it, like you said, it, maybe when it first started, people weren't in on the work and they were like wanting to live vicariously through that and think that, you know, the um, ultimate warrior like really hated all these people and like all that stuff. You wanted to you wanted to believe that you wanted to believe going into all that stuff but then as you like you said you it changes when you age not from a f uh, place of growing out of it but in a place of appreciating it for more honestly what it is compared to what you thought it was when you maybe were younger or something like that mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing to do because now that you realize that these people are in on this work it's like that you you can be more impressed by their commitment to the craft for one because so what's that uh the wrestling thing called uh kayfabe or i don't know how to say it. i've never said it out loud you just said it out loud that's case Oh, so that's how you pronounce it? Okay. So, yeah. so, and for those who aren't aware, kayfabe, and you correct me where I get it wrong, because like I said, I'm not like somebody who has an extensive wrestling history knowledge, but kayfabe is basically the principle that you never break character. You're never allowed to break character. And like, so dudes will tear their shoulder, they'll break legs. Like, uh, I think somebody had a heart attack or something like that. And like, you just cannot break character no matter what you're doing. You have to stay like in character uh, and try to like finish the match and like things like that. Or, or, or if they see you in public, depending again on what organization you're with, if they see you in public, you still have to be that character. You can't just be now Brad, now that you're off screen or it's gonna be out of the ring, you have to be still your character. Well, I think the part the part of kayfabe really, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people, and uh, I don't know if any of your, if any of your listeners are wrestling fans at all, but I think the business, the work of the industry of pro wrestling was so protected, and this code of kayfabe existed for that reason. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so if uh, if somebody at a bar challenged me and said that they could beat me up because I'm just a fake wrestler, I'd have to F their life up <laughs> in, order to, in order to keep the kayfabe work going. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I'm, if I'm at a bar and a guy who plays my enemy on TV is at that bar, I got to go hit him. Like, I can't, I can't talk to him because I need these people to re like if the if a news story comes out it's gonna be like well well cory castle oh cory castle beat up smack matthews over at the at the at the tavern <laughs> i smack was with matthews you until you got to tavern until you get to tavern the whole thing sounded and again that's a real word it's a real place and everything but just <laughs> now it sounds completely uh like something that would be in one of the wrestling broadcasts like i got in a fight at the tavern or the lodge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Smack Matthews was a name I just made up. So oh, was it? Any, I, I, just, I just thought it might have been one of your, your nemesis when you were still anybody, wrestling. Anybody who, anybody who is thinking about using a, a wrestling name, 
You can't go wrong with Smack as a first name. That'll be fun. I like it. I like Smack Matthews. That sounds like a real name. Either that or like a, uh, uh, a news reporter on some like low budget network. I'm Smack Matthews here with the news at five. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Reporting live, Smack Matthews. I like it. I'm going to create a character off that name now. I really like it. It's <laughs> awesome. So, so I, I think that that's something, like you said, you're making a lot of good points there. And, and it's that cultural hierarchy again, where we try to put value on things that don't necessarily have an inherent value to them. And so, mm-hmm. like you said, Bruce Willis isn't going to see, uh, well, he's dead now, rest in peace, Alan Rickman. But if Bruce Willis saw Alan Rickman somewhere at a award show or something like that, he's not going to punch him because they played villain as give me nemesis in a movie or something right. like that. So this, again, there's that level of commitment to what you're doing that you believe in it that much that you're letting right. it really like run your life. And then especially with some of the contracts like the, the WWE um, wrestlers would sign uh, and what that meant to what they had to do and everything and what they can't do after they finish wrestling and like that whole thing. It's just, it's impressive to me that people put them their bodies through that and then their lives through that. And that's where you get a more p- impassioned workforce, I think, because even if you know, like say somebody like the rock, right. He had his days of grinding through and being in some dungeon arena or whatever, somewhere hurt it with his back, killing him, his knee felt like it's going to blow out and all this type of stuff. And nobody knows who he is. You know what I mean? So you can't just discount the work that he had to do to become who he is today. And now again, he's more of a legacy wrestler. So he probably came up with a little bit extra like nepotism we keep running into, but not, not, it's not like his dad was Hulk Hogan and he could just handpick him and drag him along or anything like that. His his dad was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Rocky, uh, I forget his full name now. Rocky Johnson. Yeah. Thank you. Rocky Johnson was a huge deal. He was, he was one of the first ever african-american tag teams to ever win the championship yeah that like, dude was huge like literally i mean i don't mean like as far as fame i mean uh mm-hmm. physically he was a big big dude too <laughs> he was crazy right so but no but my, my point is that yes he still had to grind it out and he, yeah his dad him dad being who his dad was probably helped him out a little bit but not to the level of where he didn't have to put the work in for himself and and, he's, and people like the rock people like the rock it's easy it's easy to go oh it was nepotism <laughs> and 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 like and discount discount that he didn't earn what he's got have to remember that some people are just really natural at what they're doing some people are just naturally good like it can get discouraging to not be naturally as good as somebody who's just really naturally good at what they're doing mm-hmm. but they're like a standout like rocky the Rock. I'm, I'm saying, I almost said Rocky Maivia. <laughs> Rocky Maivia. He he was a dynamo, dude. Like honestly, he he was. Nobody nobody makes a rise in the business like he did. Nobody that stu- superstars don't come along like that. It was once in a lifetime, and I I always say it's like The Rock's a huge star now, mm-hmm. but like The Rock belonged to us first as wrestling fans. Like as a fan, I feel like I have like I have a little like you guys. You guys get to you guys get to have them now, but like we had them first. Well, it's, it's like, like a it's like a band that maybe you watch like locally yeah. or something like that. You know, and then they yeah, blow up, right, and you're like, exactly. yeah, you guys know them now. We've always known them, and we know who they really are, and like that right. type of stuff. But even more so, what what I think you see there too is with somebody like The Rock is the reason he's a big star is for the same reason he was a big star in WWE. So it, they're not separate worlds. It's not like they exist in this weird uh, done again like basement exactly. where all these nerds are watching right. and everything like that. No, if you recognize somebody who is a star in that realm, they can cross over the same way. And now you've seen Cena do it. You've seen Batista 
Batista do it. You know, uh, all these other uh, women and men have started to do that as well because what you're doing again is an enhanced form of stage uh, combat acting and everything like that with still acting in it. So you can definitely be an actor uh, after that because that's the same skill. It's the same wheelhouse of skills. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, <laughs> I told you earlier, like a lot of, a lot of what I wanted to do when I was younger was I wanted to be a pro wrestler. And I mm-hmm. said, uh, the, the first thing I ever said I wanted to be was a stand-up comedian. I said, I want to be a stand-up comedian and I want to be a wrestler. I didn't know I wanted to be both things at once. I didn't know that was possible, uh, but that's, that's great. I never said I wanted to be a podcaster because podcasting didn't exist. Mm-hmm. So if you feel aimless, if you feel like you, you don't have a drive for something, be patient with yourself. Maybe what you want in life doesn't exist yet. Or maybe you have to take steps towards creating what it is that you want in your life. Absolutely. And, and one of the things I always try to preach to people is no matter where you're at in your life, your first step to what anything you want to do should be self-analysis. You should figure out who you are, what really drives you and what really you want to do. Uh, I think that's a lot of the work that we turn ourselves away from and we don't want to really look at ourselves. We always make excuses for our behaviors. We make excuses for our emotions. We tell ourselves that our emotions are going to drive us wherever we want, uh, excuse me, wherever they're going to take us. But we have to like really figure out who we are as people. Because if you don't know who you are, you can't really know what you want. And that's one well, of the things I feel, I feel like I see a lot of people do. They go off on this path, either because of money, because their father did it, because of whatever else. And mm-hmm. then they end up really just unhappy because they- yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a learned behavior. It's a mm-hmm. pattern that you've got to break. This uh, very uh, self-limiting mindset is something you can unlearn. Uh, like it's really a, ma- a matter of convincing your subconscious mind that you deserve everything you want. And you deserve to be where you are. Like I, I have the moments too, like where I go, like I got trained in what's a work, you know what I mean? Wrestling's a work. So I got trained how to, how to portray the work. And part of my training that's be- that was beat into my head when I was coming up, I don't know about any other generations. I don't know what they go through now. But w- what was beat into my head was you're here because you in your brain believe that you should be doing this. So you should believe that you deserve to be here doing this right now. And walk around in this ring carry yourself like you know what you're doing and you belong here so my face did a lot of a lot of the storytelling a lot my body language like improved because it's like the sureness of of like i i belong in a very very elite people and i i hated i hate that that word is so overused now Mm -hmm. but we are we are a, a very rare breed of people who who go like, dude. There's there is MMA gyms in every every shopping center. There you can. There's a wrestling team in every school. There's a there's a basketball, baseball, football team everywhere. Where where's your nearest pro wrestling school? Do you know, Brand? Mine? No, I'm in Florida, so they can't be far. No, but I'm saying like. It's well, not something everybody knows about. Like you, you had to be very special to be a part of this business. Mm. Like that's a part of it. And part of the kayfabe, part of the, the code was we, we used to 
we used to weed out who wouldn't be able to make it. Like there used to be a, a process of going like, you're just not, maybe think, maybe, maybe something else works better. And you know what? Maybe that should have happened to me. Maybe somebody should have said, maybe, maybe this isn't for you, but nobody did that because I showed up. I showed up. I showed up. I showed up. I showed up and be, be in there. Like when I talk, I talk to my trainers now, like as men, we're friends, like they're very close friends of mine. Now it's great that these, these men taught me how to be a man. Like I didn't have a male role model at home. My dad wasn't around. So these men were my role models. These men formed me into being able to improve my, my posture and my honor and my respect. And they taught me a lot of, it's just like learning a martial art because of the mindset and the balance that you have in yourself that came through watching people. It wasn't necessarily something they had to say, look, this is what, Hey, look, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. That's something they did too, but not with everything with everything. I would just observe. And I would, I would say, wow, I like that. Well, there's the thing I don't like. So let me make sure I'm not that there's so very, I found that in my wrestling, I, I then applied that to me as a, as a person and how to be as what we call over in real life. So like having it so that I'm somebody that I'd want to go to if I were my friend to, to understand something better. And I'm glad you made a connection there. Cause I was thinking about it myself uh, throughout this conversation. Cause my background, I do have a martial arts background, uh, MMA primarily like jujitsu, Muay Thai and all wrestling, uh, coincidentally, all that stuff. And my, everything. my brother's so, in jujitsu. Yeah. So I was going to, I was going to ask you and like, have, have you considered going over to like martial, not necessarily for a career or anything, but just for, right. for hobbies and oh, things yeah. like that all the time. I think about it all the time. I think do about it. Uh, but got to do it. Absolutely I do think, it. <laughs> I think that a good amount of the egos might be unhealthy egos. And I'm, I'm, I'm just a little cautious of getting around some toxic stuff. And I just uh, have steered clear. Every, every reason. place can have that. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying they do. I'm saying they can, you know, you never know what you're going right. to walk into. Cause I've been to some bad MMA gyms and stuff like that. But if you go to a place where jujitsu is the primary martial art to do Brazilian jujitsu, a lot of times it gets rid of that ego because you're going to get on the mat and get smashed by like a 130 pound female or something like that or whatever. And so mm -hmm. that's going to strip you down. Like you can't go on there and think you're King badass or whatever. When you got some 16 year old kid heel hooking you and you feel like your knee's going to explode. You know what I mean? Like there's all these things. And that's one of the things you see with a lot of people who go into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, those who go in with ego get washed out. They don't make it because it kill it kills your ego time after time after time. And if you don't break yourself down and get rid of that ego, then you, a lot of times you'll have to walk out of the gym and not come back. Cause you, it's I, hard to do that. I was more, I wasn't really referring to as like physical ego as much as like, like mental ego people were like oh i know i'm right i've got the decisions that i've made when i was 12 that i've never wavered from that i won't waver from mm. and you can't tell me i'm wrong like it's it's like a the same thing like i say it all the time my, when i first started getting into pro wrestling some of my friends who were who i was friends with and wrestling friends with we'd watch wrestling together but they would say Oh, it's so I couldn't get into the ring and do what you do because I couldn't let somebody beat me. And I'm like, it's, I couldn't let somebody win. And I'm like, you know, that 
They're not actually winning. They're not actually better than me. It just appears that way to whoever's watching, but we're, we're furthering a story here. This is all, we're, we're either concluding a story or we're leading to something bigger. Like it's, it's, it's a show. Like, yeah. So like my ego kind of been gone for a while when it came to that kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, I did have I did have a a, a a kind of shitty ego there for a while. I'd have to say because because of being able like, dude, I, I was I was 19 years old and I, I had I had really good abs and I was on TV and I, I that's not something I was healthy enough for. That wasn't something I I was not fit for service in that. Yeah, oh man, I I. I told somebody this i don't remember what episode it was or who i was talking to but yeah uh i would have been charlie sheen if you gave me money and fame when i was young right. there's no way right. like uh, i know who i was back then now i could handle it i could absolutely handle it right. now because hand, hand me a tv contract now sure i will yeah. take <laughs> absolutely but that's that's what i'm saying like i think that's one of the thing beauties of uh of life sometimes is that you don't get those things in the wrong moments and sometimes when you do you're able to make it out of there at the same time because like you said you get you got a little bit when uh your ego was still pretty big or whatever and you made it out though you're not that person anymore so you actually got to evolve through that and so you're better for having experienced that you know what i mean <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh man so all right so tell me like we still we talked about before you got on here i wanted to know did did the wrestling you feel like the wrestling led you to the acting you've done or or how are those connected or are they not connected at all um they're parallel right like i don't think i don't know i think i treat everything like it's connected to everything mm -hmm. so i wouldn't say that they're not connected because i like i like to say that like my wrestling Corey castle as a pro wrestler people watch my matches and they go oh well that guy's cool that guy's good his gimmick's cool his whatever is you know he has a podcast oh he has a podcast let me check out his podcast Oh, on the podcast, he talks. He talks about how he how he does stand up comedy. Oh, I'm gonna go see his stand up comedy. Oh, in his comedy, he talked about his wrestling career, and then <laughs> goes back in that same everything serving itself. Mm -hmm. Or if somebody saw me in a in a film, somebody saw me acting, and they go, "Oh, that guy's a wrestler." Then they'll like look up the wrestling and then stumble upon anything else. That's why I use the same name for everything. I'm Corey Castle, and that's. That's what I'm using for everything. So if, if you Google me for one thing, you'll find all the other things I do and they all serve one another. Every lesson I've learned through wrestling has made my comedy better, has made my, has made my, my, my acting better, has made my podcasting better. Like all of it, it lends to everything else. So, so what was your first acting role then? When did you, when did you start at? Hey man, I, I auditioned to be in the movie Holes with Shia LaBeouf <laughs> when I was 18 years old. Oh wow, so you've been you've been at that for a while then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh right before quarantine started, I was actually my main source of income was acting. So I was I was doing that for my main source of income, but uh, you know, when things shut down, movie sets shut down. TV sets shut down. So I just was like, all right, well, I'll sit around for a couple months. And then I started doing 
uh, HVAC with my friends, my friend and, you know, working for his dad. That's awesome. So I, I guess, what is it about acting for you that you feel like you're attracted to? What, what do you like about playing characters and things like that? Honestly, man, I, I'm a storyteller. I've been a storyteller my whole life. And that's, you know, evident through pro wrestling. And the fact that like, I, I have, I have this look at me part of me that is like, all right, I've got, I, I got, I've decided that a story is something that, that is just as memorable, you know, just as memorable as a joke mm-hmm. like, that I would do on stage. If I tell a story where I play a part, if I'm somebody else, you can escape from, you know, it can help somebody watching escape from whatever uncomfortabilities they're dealing with just for, you know, however long the story is that I'm telling. Nice. See, I, for me, and I've done very limited acting in my adult life. I was, went to like an art school when I was younger and stuff. So I did it more there, but I always felt like acting was pushing myself emotionally to a place that maybe I wouldn't have gone as myself. You know what I mean? So it was kind of getting to experience a small portion of small section of uh, someone else's life. And that has always fascinated me from, cause like I, I tell my girlfriend and I tell people all the time, like I'll, I'll get lost in thinking about other people's lives. Sometimes when I'm driving, just driving by somebody's car, not an even particularly nice car. They're not a particularly attractive person or anything like that. It's nothing that stands out about them. But then I just go, where are they going? What's their life like? Who do they have wife? Do they have kids? What do they do for work? Like just, and try to break down all their stuff. And so when you're acting for again, 30 seconds at a time, a minute at a time, whatever it is, you get to be someone else. And it's really different. Uh, it's a really different feeling. I don't think it, unless you've experienced it, it's really hard to describe, but you actually get to be somebody else because you're feeling someone else's emotions. Because I, I, me, Brandon, when I, I was in like Death of a Salesman or whatever, I'm not angry. Why would I be angry? I'm, I'm on stage with friends doing a play or whatever, but the character's right. angry. And so I have to find that anger and bring that anger out. And then you get to like, just look at it through their lens. And that, that was just, again, it's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, the look at me part is always fun. It's, it's escapism too. Yeah. It's that it's inside of like, I, I'll make this comparison. I, I was recently thinking these thoughts, but I didn't say them out loud. Uh, when I was younger, I wrestled a match with a mask on for the first time and realized when I had that mask on, when I had that mask on, I could like dance and stuff and be goofy, like something I would never do without the mask on. Cause I was that character. I was the character who had the mask on. I wasn't, I wasn't me. I wasn't, you know, the, the awkward, weird, I don't like my body moving. I don't want anyone looking at me while my body's moving this way. I wasn't that I was, I was whatever this mask character was, you know? So I looked at that and I go, well, like apply that to playing a part, playing a part in an acting sense. Or like, I was just, I had a a conversation the other day with my friend uh, who's, who's a comedian. He used to do uh, commentary on wrestling shows. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I didn't realize how much I loved this. I didn't realize how much getting into a character to do commentary was going to be something that like I enjoyed this much. So it's like a good blend of being a, being a sports analyzer and a comedy goofball and a wrestling goofball. And I think that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize who don't do that kind of 
creative don't excuse me don't have that creative outlet or something like that is you get to express different parts of yourself that maybe you uh mute or, or don't naturally explore through your everyday right. life you know what i mean like doing this on here like talking about wrestling or talking crap and just like making riffing off jokes back to back or back i'm not doing that at work i'm not doing that with the people that i see in my everyday life all the time you know so you get to express these different portions of yourself and kind of make you think about who you truly are, but also just get out that energy that maybe you were holding back because like you said, you don't want to dance, but now you got the mask on and you're just different character. Now you get to dance a little bit. Maybe that part of you is like, hey, I actually like dancing a little bit, just a little bit, not enough to rededicate uh, myself to it or like be really good at it, but just enough to, this was fun. Right. This was a fun right. thing to do. And I got to express that right. portion of myself where uh, other people was, never do. Silly Billy. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's one of the, like I said, beauties of all those different types of creativity you can do, whether it's music, whether it's wrestling, acting, uh, you know, anything that you get to do that's kind of creative, even podcasting. Like I said, I'm having a conversation with you. If you watch another of my episodes, I'm not having the same conversation. I'm not talking the same way. My cadence is different. Like all these things change, right? And I mm -hmm. think that's just a really fun part about it is going through all those different experiences of yourself. It's like uh, not directly that out-of-body experience where you're looking down at yourself and like, holy crap, what's happening? But you're getting to a different part of your brain, a different part of the overall human experience through these different things you're doing. And I think that is that for me, that's again, the beauty in the work, not the outcome. Right. Right, man. Now I think, dude, I was watching the Wu-Tang documentary series on Showtime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Meth Method Man. Method Man went to, the, he worked at some restaurant that was in like the Statue of Liberty. Mm -hmm. And he went back there and he's like, this is the best time. Like when I think about my life, this is like my favorite thing. This is my favorite time of my life. I love this job. And like the guy who was his boss was still there. And he's like, I, I thank you. Thank you so much. Like you don't realize what the best part of your life is while you're struggling through it. Mm -hmm. But when, when you got the, the foresight or the, the hindsight to look back and go, wow, you know, I was, I was really, I was really on my way there. I was really on my way to becoming, you know, I've, you know, I was, I'm in the middle of learning these really great lessons that are, Forming me into the type of person I'd like to be. And, Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard when you're right in the middle of it because remember that commercial that was like stuck in a dead end job and there was a guy in a box and he was just yeah, trying to yeah. reach out of the box. Like, I think that that's how people get in their feelings. People get too st stuck inside of their feelings to zoom out enough to go, man, look at all the things that I can be grateful for. Look at all the stuff that I got. Look at all the lessons that I'm learning constantly about about the world and about like the perspective i have like the the time that i'm living in to be unhappy in the in the the best time there is to be alive mm -hmm. it, it can be hard it can be it can be hard to stay unhappy but i mean it can hard it can be hard to stay happy too and just I, sorry go ahead no it's just about finding that balance is what i was gonna say and I, I think at the risk of sounding like every Instagram yoga teacher out there, I think that comes from part of being present in what you're actively doing. You know what I mean? Instead of seeing everything as something that is either tied to your past or tied to your future, seeing it as something that is currently just happening. Don't worry about what this means for anything else. Don't worry about where this takes you, what it came from or anything. Just experience it for what it is. And then you get closer to actually realizing, oh, that was maybe the best time of my life or anything like that. Because I think the one of the reasons we always look back on it is because we're comparing it to other moments we've had. And we've seen either what that became of that or we know what we've experienced since and all that type of stuff. And so you don't necessarily get to appreciate it when you're in that moment because you haven't developed that skill 
for actually appreciating moments. You're constantly looking at the future, especially because a lot of good stuff like uh, Method Man, for his example, it happened when he was young. So nobody when they're, well, let me say it this way. A lot of people when they're young have two, one of two experiences. They believe something they're going to do or that they don't get to do is the most important thing ever. Like, so if they miss it, they feel like they're going to die or it does, none of this actually matters. And so you don't really, until you get older and you realize how important that actual moment was, uh, does it really take its precedent? You know, excuse me, take the precedence it has in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you, you, you watch that documentary? I have not yet. I, I didn't know that it was out. I knew that it was coming. I saw like that it was coming. I never keep up when things actually release. I always see them like, oh, I want to see that. And then, oh, it's been out for three months. <laughs> I highly suggest it. It's called Of Mikes and Men. It's like a four-part four part documentary. And it's it's really, really good. I mean, yeah, yeah very good. It's Wu-Tang. I mean, that's all you have to say. It's Wu-Tang and it's going to be good. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what Wu-Tang has been involved in that's bad. You know what I mean? Whether it's music or, or art or anything like that. All those dudes are so talented in so many different ways, particularly obviously RZA, who's now scoring movies and like, I think directed, yeah, he directed uh, The Man with the Iron Fist and everything like that too. So like all those things. Weirdly, which had Batista in it, just tying a nice little bow and everything. We're yeah, yeah, here. cyclical, <laughs> man. We're coming right back around. We're coming right back around. But yeah, uh, this, this documentary uh, shines light on like RZA being the mastermind of the whole thing. And like really putting it together and showing when he was signed to Tommy Boy Records when he was younger, he was like Prince Rakim or something like that. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's good, man. You got, you got to watch it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, so, but all right, man, thank you for so much for coming on here and just talking about all these different things and going on some weird places for me. Thank you for giving me the platform to finally announce on my podcast how much I hate Pretty Woman and I will fight anyone over my hatred for that movie. So I, I really appreciate you getting me getting that out of me. I did not have that chance before. Go ahead. Uh, can, can I also give you the platform? <laughs> can I give myself the platform to tell you this real quick? Go for it. Let it go. No. Absolutely you don't not. need to get in fights over pretty woman. My Let life is go. defined by the things I hate. <laughs> just you, you just, it's it's too it's not serving you. It really is not. It's too much weight to carry that's not going to you're, you it's not going to help you in any way to carry weight for that. I get that it's teaching bad lessons, but sometimes people have to learn see that lesson, try to follow it, fail to learn humility. So it is, the, it is the part where, oh, it's a bad example, but it becomes, an, it becomes real, like real um, uh, lesson learning. Like it, it, it mm-hmm. can mold somebody when they realize that like that's fantasy and it gives somebody perspective on like what's real and what's not. It's the best way to get up my toxic energy is hating pop culture pieces that have no real effect on my life. That's that's where I get to take that negative energy out. If it's not that, then I'm gonna start beating the kids I don't have. So you know, <laughs> you gotta find somewhere for it. <laughs> do you know? Do you know the band Papa Roach? Yeah, of course, absolutely. They the, they just uh, they released in quarantine in 20, 2020, They released a, a redo of their album from twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a, a song called Tightrope on there, Tightrope 2020. But uh, look that song up. And, they, and in it, he says, there is, a thin, uh, there is a thin line between what is good and what is evil. And I will tiptoe down that line. I will feel unstable. 
uh, I, I dig it, dude. I, 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 it's, you can't get through a podcast with me without me quoting some music. Some, some well, you've weird done, what is that? That's at least two. You did, uh, what was it? City High, I think earlier. Yeah, yeah City and, High and, and now we Papa didn't Roach. get back to me telling you how that goes. That's some, so that's some range. <laughs> What's that? I said, that's some range. You went from like a, a 90s R&B group to Papa Roach. So you've got some range there on it. And, and, and Wu-Tang too. We, we talked. Well, yeah, but that was more the documentary though. I, 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 we, that's on the outskirts of it. But <laughs> really, the, 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 song, the song is called What Would You Do? And it is, um, the story behind the song is uh, he went to a party where they hired hookers at the party. And one of the hookers was a girl he like knew in school. And he was like, oh my God, what happened to your life? How did it resort to this? And then the girl's like, what would you do if your son was at home crying all alone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Floor that, no, I know that song. Yeah, I absolutely know that the song. The only way to feed him is to sleep with a man for a little bit of money and his daddy's gone. So yeah. we're all alone now. I absolutely know <laughs> that song. Get out of lockdown. I ain't got no job now. Yeah. So for you, this is just a good time. But for me, this is what I call life. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I absolutely know that song. I, I can't believe I, I brain dumped that. So, but so. <laughs> anyways, man, I'm going to let you go though. But so thank, like I said, thanks again for coming on here and uh, talking about all those different things. Do me a favor, tell everybody where they can find you if they want to hear more from you. Go to youtube.com slash Corey Castle to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, go on to Apple Podcasts, put in evolving with Corey. honestly dude if you just search Corey castle c-o-r-y-k-a-s-t-l-e anywhere you'll find me um i i i actually i <laughs> i started trying to uh put i was trying to look something up on youtube the other day and i i, I put my name in and it's and it suggested it suggested Corey castle's phone number i didn't know that that was such in demand but yes that pops up Corey castle's phone number you can check me out do a search for that you'll probably find it and uh you know if you're going through anything you want to talk to anybody you know first like subscribe and listen to some episodes and see if you can catch what my vibe is and uh you know feel free to reach out to me let me i say all the time on my other podcast my other podcast is called Rassle rock and uh it's it's a it's like a comedy pro wrestling talk show and uh on that show i always say and towards the end, if you like what we're doing, let us know that you exist. <laughs> like, we're mostly not doing it for income, obviously. Like, it's not something that's gotten got me living high on the hog. I'm a, a pretty regular, normal dude. And uh, I really, really always appreciate the feedback. And if you want to see, like, the most genuine happy... Pay me a compliment and watch the way I react. Watch my face. My hands, my hands cover my heart, and I have the biggest smile on my face. I, I live for compliments. So, comment, comment on any of the videos. You know, even if they're going to be, even if they're going to be negative. I mean, as long as one of them's nice. <laughs> you get two negative, one nice. That's how you got to balance it out. It's all about balance, right? So. Yeah. So, uh, at Corey Castle on Twitter. I tweet a lot of jokes at Corey Castle on Instagram. Um, I post a lot of pics and uh, check out Bruce on YouTube. 
uh, check out, if you just search Corey Castle and Bruce, you'll find this 15 minute short film that I did where we did an alternative universe uh, storytelling of Bruce Wayne, Batman. <laughs> and I, pl I played Bruce, but we don't, I mean, we never really, it's not a, it's not a typical fan film for Batman. If you're, if you're a fan of Batman and you know the story pretty well, check out this film. I think you'll really dig it. And uh, that's all I got to say. Make sure, awesome. make sure you uh, make sure you subscribe, <laughs> make sure you subscribe. If this is your first time checking out Brandon's podcast, make sure you subscribe, show him some love and share, share the heck out of his crap. Yeah. Unless you like pretty woman, then get the hell off my page. <laughs> so, all right, man. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Take care, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for checking out Starting Nowhere. Come find us on Facebook so you can comment on this and other clips and episodes of Starting Nowhere.